Hey everyone and welcome to this sponsored podcast from Ossert's 2014 conference. All of our coverage from Ossert 2014 is brought to you by three terrific sponsors, Arbor Networks, Datacom TSS and FireEye. Big thanks to all of those three sponsors for helping us put together this podcast series. In this sponsor cast, we're chatting with Dave Merkel, the Chief Technology Officer of FireEye. Dave has been around the traps since the 90s uh, in InfoSec, long enough to have seen how things have changed. And uh, one of the things that has changed is the acknowledgement by the security market, the people who buy security technology, that you can't really keep attackers from gaining a foothold on at least a device within your environment. It's the reason we're seeing a lot of gear hit the market that will help you post-intrusion. So I started off by asking Dave if he'd noticed this shift in thinking in the market. And here's what he had to say. In the U.S., I don't know if we have a term around there, but we uh, around around that idea specifically. But but you see just a lot of public acknowledgement. Uh, I know um, internationally, particularly in some European markets of the U.K., you might hear the term cyber resilience, which um, I think first popped up or was being pushed a little bit back in 2011. Maybe there were earlier mentions, but but the concepts becoming more commonly understood, and th- and that's good when you accept. You know, a certain reality, then you can start to manage it actively. Sounds, sounds almost of, like a rebranding of security, uh, security in depth. You know, like security in layers. Um, kind of. Although this, there's a slightly different take. I think the mindset around security in layers still believes ultimately some layer of the security ultimately stops the problem. Yeah. And really, what we're talking about <laughs> is is security at some layer helps manage the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it is, it is a bit of a it is a bit of a shift in thinking, and 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 you're right. I mean, I've seen. I think everyone's seen it. Uh, you know, but how does this actually translate from from having that shift in thinking? How does that then translate into a different approach within a network within an organization? How 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 does that acknowledgement that bad things happen actually change stuff on the ground? Well, I, it actually means in terms of um, you know talking about security investments, you actually start having a real risk, man- risk management discussion. You know, people say, well, you got to manage risk. Well, when you're managing risk, some part of you ultimately has to acknowledge that the risk you're managing may actually happen and make ba- something bad occur. And, and that dialogue's positive. You acknowledge that risk and then you do something about it actively to manage it. Even though the phrase risk management has been around, if you walk in and talk to the, the CEO or maybe the CIO, their actual acceptance that security bad things will happen despite your investments is um, that's not been that's not been fully acknowledged, and I think it might be starting. Uh, the leading indicator is the dialogue. The trailing indicator would be that it's actually taken hold. Is let's take a look at average time on station for a CISO or CSO because I think it's pretty short right now. Yeah, it measured in you know less than a couple years. Um, and I kind of view that as tragic, right? So so think about this: you're a CISO or CSO. Something bad happens on your watch. And, and one of the first things that may occur to you is, you know, you get you get shot by mm. by senior management. Well, I look at that and go, okay, well, maybe that's the right thing, and maybe it's not. But if you're getting rid of someone who is now an experienced veteran of an active cyber attack, I mean, you should hold on to that person. They just well, and, a lot of lessons, right? And and in my experience, you know, it's usually been the CSO who's been the one pounding on the boardroom table, going, "Guys, give me more budget, give me more, you know, give me more authority mm-hmm. here." And you know, the CSO is almost kind of like, you know. I think a lot of boards see it as this thing that you have to do that, you know, you really don't want mm-hmm. a CSO on your board and you like, you kind of give him the gimpy chair down the end of the table and, and try to ignore everything he says. And then when something bad happens, you fire him or her. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and they've been thumping for budget. They get the budget and then something bad does happen and the board somehow or, or senior management somehow equated that additional investment into, 
nothing bad ever happens. I was like, well, it's not so much that nothing <laughs> bad will ever happen, but if it happens, it's going to be better managed because you were better prepared, right? Mm. Instead of the whole house burning down, you lost a room. Nobody died. Everyone got out because the fire escapes were you know, well-marked and there were escape ladders and all that kind of stuff. And So, so the trailing indicator... Yeah, leading indicator, more universal dialogue that starts to kind of match the, the reality on the ground. Trailing indicator, actually seeing management decisions that match that. We're probably not at the trailing indicator yet. We're not at the the uh, the um, point where 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 senior management universally goes, wow, you know, the grizzled veteran CSO that's taken us through hard times is the one to keep. But but hopefully we'll hopefully we'll get there. It's funny, you know, uh, when you were just talking about risk management before, it reminded me of the poster for a hacker conference in New Zealand, uh, KiwiCon, which had a list of things hackers don't give a shit about. And one of them is, uh, you know, your risk register. Hackers do not give a shit about your risk register. It seems that that's <laughs> actually getting through, right? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, there's a lot of things in your environment they just don't care about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They don't care about your AV. They don't care no. about your risk register, you know, like... No. There's a, there's a whole list. I'll see if I can find it for you. But, um, yep. but uh, you know, this seems to have changed. I mean, I remember, you know, even in 01, right, uh, when Gartner put out that stupid, stupid, stupid report saying that IDS was, you know, a dumb thing. Uh, you know, it seemed like the, the technology market was, you know, almost a little bit ahead because IDS was really moving towards a model for post-incident detection, right? Even your basics right. like Snort, uh, what else was there? The the Interesis one, Dragon IDS, right? Yep. All those IDSs, yep. you know, I mean, there was a part of them that were trying to detect attacks, but I think a lot of people were really sort of starting to want to use them for post-intrusion um, detection. Yep. And then Gartner came out and said, well, these things are useless because they don't stop attacks. And back then people used to listen to Gartner. So all of the vendors actually yep. started moving towards creating these prevention devices i personally think that was a misstep do you think we've sort of i mean it's 14 years like you know 13 years later do you think we've managed to actually correct that wrong turn i uh you know i i think i think we're getting there if you go take a look at some of the dialogue now from um well from from analysts let's pick you know <laughs> gartner and forrester um yeah. they're, they're on board with the dialogue there's plenty of pieces out there that have been written that are actively acknowledging you have to be able to operate through the breach mm. um i i think that's a good thing uh and and I completely agree with you on the whole. But but you IDS see what I mean? Like that, that, that I, I do. That conversation back then meant that if you had a really good piece of technology for doing post-incident sort of discovery, no one would yep. buy it because the analysts were saying this isn't preventing the attack. I mean, it was yep. it was a it was a failure from you know the analysts. It was a failure of the security industry to actually sell this this idea and actually have the courage to turn it into a pitch, which is you're probably going to get owned, but this is going to help afterwards. And it was a failure of the customers to recognize that that was the reality. It seems to have taken that long, but now we're here. Yeah, it, it does. But let's um, just to to uh, not to not to bloody the the analyst from that day too much. Although you know, I agree with you about the misstep. You know, as a practitioner on the ground in the late '90s, using you know Dragon IDS back when Ron Gula and team first put it on the street. You know, if you would have asked me, what's the one thing you got to have post breach? I would have said this this thing right here. You mm. know, this thing and Pearl were the two things I had to have. <laughs> And if you took them from me, I couldn't manage the breach. Um, and so they were incredibly valuable, and I would have paid a, a lot of – well, and did pay, did pay money and would have paid more to keep them. Yeah, so I fully but your, your background that, but, was like, uh, you know, protected environments in Air Force, wasn't it, around then? Well, uh, actually, in the Air Force, I was, um, I was on the investigative side. So I, I did uh, computer crime investigations, you know, chasing hackers. And then after I got out of the Air Force in 98, it was on the, you know, protecting – protecting um, enterprise. And in the late 90s, it was AOL. That's where I was mm. at the time. 
Um, but, but anyway, fully acknowledging your statement about IDS, but, but we also need to take a look at how young information security are on IT oriented information security is as a discipline. Mm. Um, when you think about modern information systems, interconnected networks, the internet, you know, there were places in the nineties when I was chasing hackers, that didn't even have a firewall. I mean, that's the, the thinking then was really young. And I think the maturity of, of analyst knowledge and and certainly executive knowledge at the time was I mean, it was just non-existent, and we're 15 years later and you know we're 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 maturing we're we're getting we're getting better the trends are in a good direction from an awareness and understanding standpoint we're not er- there yet there's always going to be problems but you know, if I look back over the pla- past decade plus I see more informed discussion now though I still occasionally have a conversation where I think oh oh my god yeah what was no. that? I I know um, what you mean. Okay, so this all of this awareness, it's translated into a different approach uh, from you know people managing the risk of, of intrusions. What does it look like, uh, you know, in the technology mix? I mean, you know, technologies like FireEye is you know one example of a vendor that could not sure. really have existed, uh, you know, ten years ago, maybe five. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, you did exist five years ago, but it seems that these these types of technologies, things like Dambala as well, yep. um, you know. All sorts of products sort of coming into the mix now. What are the ones, uh, you know, and not just FireEye, what are the ones that sure. you are seeing coming into the industry that uh, and, and into the enterprise that you think are the, the new must-haves? So, so put everything in Fire's portfolio on the list. Fine, you know, fine. I'll skip. That. I had to say that. That's yeah, my job. <laughs> but now let's uh, let me talk more broadly. So, so any technology that's acknowledging that some of that legacy investment in other in other things isn't enough. Uh, and, and rattle it off, right? Um, the whole market for next generation firewalls, uh, where you know you see Palo Alto and um, well, you can see in, in Fortinet trying to make some some play there as they evolve their platform, uh, ha- has to acknowledge the fact that you know existing firewalls, you know, there's there's deficiencies, and and they wouldn't be having the tremendous success they're having if if there wasn't something there. Mm. Um, other endpoint players, so the Bit Nines of the world, uh, Bit Nine just bought Carbon Black, um, uh, CrowdStrike. Uh, uh, all technologies and com- uh, vendors and competitors in the mix with you know where I came from, Mandiant. I was on the Mandiant side pre-acquisition by FireEye. Um, you know, n- none of us would have been able to to um, establish any kind of foothold if there wasn't something you know, there meaningful for us to do. And you know, the traditional protection mechanisms and even traditional forensics and investigation technologies. You know, take the players from the you know the late '80s and '90s. The guidance softwares and access data is if, if all the needs were being met, there would have been no room in the market. And there's been really an explosion um, in, uh, in those opportunities. And I think there's still plenty of room for more. There's tons of unsolved problems. And, and, we're, and, and with that growing awareness that all the stuff we've been doing can't be 100% solution, that means there's some room for some innovation, some new ideas. Yeah. So um, you think we're actually going to see some new stuff come into the mix that could be quite good? Well, I, I think it, we we already have. Uh, there's um, not things I'll talk about publicly here, but you know, there's certainly some some startups in stealth mode that have some interesting things going on. Uh, I know that there continues to be a large amount of um, uh, capital investment into space, in, into the information security space. And and say what you will, I know myself coming from the information security practitioner side of the house before I became a, a dirty vendor. Um, there's a cynicism about that, but that that money wouldn't be there and being invested if there wasn't. If there wasn't some opportunity, and I think at the end of the day, that's a good thing. You want people investing in new ideas, new tech, so that so that as defenders, we've got a a choice of of more weapons to use, um, protecting the assets we care about. Well, it's the old rule, isn't it? You know, the VC community will fund a hundred startups in security, and ten of them will turn out to be useful, and ninety yeah. percent will lose money and fold, uh, and produce awful, that's- awful technology and awful marketing brochures and. 
just hang right, around in booths at conferences for the next year, five years, just waiting to die, you know? Well, and, and that, that you tell me an industry where that's not true, right? Yeah. Everybody has to be, you have to be an educated buyer. All right. Well, Dave Merkel, thank you very much for joining us uh, to have a discussion about the way things have changed and uh, what types of technologies could be coming into the mix in the near future. Great. Thanks, Patrick. Happy to be here. Appreciate the opportunity.